0: We could all stand to be a little better with money, right? Whether it's investing smart or saving more, there's room to grow our own financial literacy. I'm Nathan Cohn. Welcome to the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series. I work at the public radio station in San Antonio, where we sometimes characterize what NPR does as the nation's biggest continuing education course. And that's why I'm happy to be introducing this series for Trinity, featuring faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who have established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. Today, you'll enjoy a conversation on budgeting with finance expert Josh Sigmund, class of 2001.
1: I don't care if you sell snow cones. I don't care if you uh, make margaritas. The reality is you have to do profit and losses. And don't rely on uh, just QuickBooks to tell you what you make at the end of the year. We've got to do more predictive analysis every month.
0: Josh Sigmund is vice president of Legacy Mutual Mortgage. Dr. Dante Suarez, associate professor of finance and decision sciences, will engage him in the conversation.
2: Hello again, Trinity Tigers. Uh, welcome to the Trinity Learning Together podcast series as part of a lifelong learning initiatives presented by Trinity University's Office of Alumni Relations. I'm Dante Suarez, Associate Professor of Finance and Decision Sciences here at Trinity University's School of Business. Uh, it is my pleasure to present Josh Sigmund, Class of 01. Uh, he is Vice President and Senior Loan Officer with Legacy Mutual Mortgage. And we've been uh, talking before about Josh's story and, and how he got in, into this kind of industry. and then also the six rules on how to have a, a successful and a happy uh, money at least money-wise uh, life uh, going forward. Today we want to talk a little bit about uh, some tips for uh, to be profitable in a small business and uh, that Josh has uh, a lot of experience with. So tell me what should I be tracking? If, if I'm thinking about having a small business or I have a small business, where should I start focusing on?
1: I do think in terms of a personal family budget at home uh, applies to small business as well. Uh-huh. And so as far as what to track, the answer, just like at home, is everything. I don't care if you sell snow cones. I don't care if you uh, make margaritas. The reality is you have to do pro- profit and losses. And don't rely on uh, just QuickBooks to tell you what you make at the end of the year. You, we, we've got to do more predictive analysis every month, right? So how, what I mean how,
2: how short is that? Yeah, you, so you want it to be monthly, weekly, daily? I say are we as talking a basis,
1: again? a minimum uh, expectations monthly. Right. Uh, uh, more regularly is better, only if you have the resources. Right. So because it, it could,
2: yeah. Well, stressful, you think about this, you think? It,
1: Well, certainly it's stressful, and certainly it's not everyone's strength. Uh, right. You know, uh, people go into business quite often because they're really good at at making snow cones, mm-hmm. not because they're great at finance. Right. Uh, yet the health of the business, you know, you got to think of it in terms of. Um uh how often do you need to be checking your blood pressure and how often should you be checking your weight? Uh, and I would tell you if you want to lose weight, the answer is get on a scale at what frequency? Daily. People lose weight faster if they just get on the scale daily because they're aware of it, right? So I'm just thinking about the stress of it. it like, like, yeah. like
2: and back to your point of like, you know, how mu- how many resources are you willing to dedicate to Absolutely. every day figuring out how well, much you won, how much you lost. But you think in general, the Monthly, higher the frequency, the better. The
1: higher the better. And think of it like definitely, this.
2: Definitely shorter than than a year, right?
1: Oh, no doubt about yeah, it. Because sure. there's nothing you can do about your business other than say win or loss based on the end of the year results, right? Like I look back and say, well, that, that was terrible. Mm. Or I can look back and say, oh, my God, it was amazing. I'm not really sure why, right? Because most people operate businesses out of a feeling of things are going well or they're not, right? So- uh, think about, when I say think about the frequency of, of, of measurement, I can tell you for sure, you go to a HEB food chain, you uh, you go to a Costco, they almost have up to the minute right. accountability of what's sold and what hasn't sold on the shelves. Everything. Well, everything. Guess what? <laughs> they make more money than you and I. Right. And so I would argue that the bigger, bigger pile theory says if somebody's doing it better, copy them. Uh, so, so that's my answer. The, the faster, the frequency, the more, more regular the frequency, the better monthly minimum though. So at least right, get that so, in your head. So, so that, that sounds yeah. About right. Yeah. And so from a standpoint of, uh, of, okay, well, Josh, I've never done a P and L my life. Uh, what should I start with? The, the simplest answer is breaking it into three sections. Okay. The first section would be, you got to list out every expense. Uh, every business-related expense, uh, if you're if you're writing off a cell phone through a business, you're obviously your lease space, your cost of goods sold, anything expense-wise. And usually, the biggest two expenses are personnel and uh, and space. On most P&Ls, those are the two biggest line items. Um, but you've got to get all those expenses itemized so you understand what it is. The second thing you list is a section two income is what, especially in service industries, this uh, this uh, uh, equates more. Uh, but what are some residual incomes that you're getting that you're not having to work for on a monthly basis, right? What do you so, mean think of that? like a trailer. So, uh, in insurance, I learned this in insurance where if you sell a, a life insurance policy, uh, you make a commission year one, right? But year two, three, and four, as long as that policy is enforced, you get a trailer. There's no additional work that comes out of the work, right? So, uh, or maybe uh, you're a realtor and a realtor might refer, they, they, they work in San Antonio their clients moving to Dallas so they refer that that client to a realtor in Dallas well that Dallas realtor now does all the work and they send back a 30% check of whatever the commission was so this
2: is basically a business that's already going and yeah, takes care so of itself so
1: whatever the renewal business is or or other streams of income that you're not actually actually having to do the work right, right. separate of section 3 which is the income for the month that you're that, that's a result of your work Okay.
2: Similar to what we were talking about of your own personal uh, life budget and expenses, do you want to do something here where you want to talk about uh, kind of like or think about what are the expenses in your uh, business that need to happen. Absolutely. Those that, uh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. So, so where do you put, for example, the, the, the marketing uh, expense that's here? That's
1: probably the best example we can jump into because, uh, marketing, yes, it's necessary, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're about to bleed out and go out of business, then, then how much do you cut back as well? Right. Cause that's a, that's a, a choice. Uh, not all businesses are built on that, right? Lots of businesses are built on word of mouth or they just happen to be on the right street corner. People are going to drive by, mm-hmm. um, Depending on what business book you might read, you know, uh, most companies as they get larger are either spending money in marketing or another one is research and development. But they're certainly not spending all of their money, all their profits on research and development and marketing. It does right. make sense. Mm-hmm. So whether it's 5% or 15%, as what I see typically is up to about 15% would be a max if you're growing right, to figure out uh, how to not be Uberized right? What do you mean by that? Well, uh, I, this day and age, there's so much disruption in businesses. If you keep doing business the same way every single year, expect to go out of business. So we have to be spending a little bit of money finding new revenue streams, finding new, uh, uh, sources of business, uh, or a better way to do business would be research and development to make it more efficient, more cost-effective to the consumer, which helps you out with pricing and so on. Uh, but we can't spend every dollar that we earn on research, development, and marketing. So, so like, the rule of thumb for me is, as ten percent is like a good goal if your business is growing, right? Um, now, early on in business, uh, you might have to start with more than that because you have to get your name out. You know, you might start off fifty percent of every. You know, we we've heard the term. We have to invest in our business. It takes money to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, with some of your seed money, you need to choose. Uh, you know, how much, or maybe, maybe possibly most of that's going to go towards getting your name out. But this goes then into, because we're measuring, because we're looking at numbers, because it's a logical thing, not an emotional one, at the time of the investment in the in marketing is when you should choose when it would end. Meaning understanding your exit strategy is just as important as starting a new idea.
2: So what do you mean about your, your, your end? Well, I mean, I understand like an uh, exit strategy. Not all
1: you... ideas are good ideas, right? So I might choose, okay, I'm in mortgages, So certainly I can call on realtors, certainly I can call on builders, and certainly I could buy internet leads. Well, if I were to buy internet leads, I could buy it from a Zillow or I could buy it from a realtor.com. There's lots of different places I could put my marketing dollars, Mm -hmm. right? But just because I chose to put the money with that company or that marketing source does not mean it's giving me a good rate of return. And so what I want to do up front is choose while I'm unemotional about it, how many months I'm going to let it run and by what point I need to see whatever rate of return I expect, where at, at that point, if it's hitting that or more, I have to keep investing it even if I don't want to. On the flip side, if, if I'm starting, I feel like I'm getting traction, I should just, no, I chose up front six months and done. I exit that because I already devoted the dollars. I don't want to keep on chasing an emotional thought. Right. When it's at the end where you should be making a decision, most people can't because it is too emotional. Well, I've already invested so much dollars in this. I got to keep on hanging well, it's, on. It's a sunk cost. And it's a but sunk you know, cost. You know, you and don't, we don't you know don't where know. to stop it. You have to choose when to end it up front. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU, 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University.
0: Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to our conversation with Josh Sigmund and Dr. Dante Suarez about budgeting.
1: Going back to the PL in general and tips to be profitable in general, right? managing the expenses is probably the fundamental key. We can't always choose when the revenue is going to hit. Like I open a restaurant, I, get, I can't choose how many patrons are going to show up month, month one, month two, month three. I can predict what I think is going to happen right. based on other result, uh, restaurants in the area. But the reality is the thing I can for sure predict is what expenses I'm going to outlay in those same three months. So I can control or have a better predictive index of what my profitability might be by keeping my set expenses as low as possible, right? right. Outside of that, the hard calls are typically around people, right? Because again, it gets back to emotion, renegotiating a lease space, renegotiating a copier machine, renegotiating a cost of goods sold, not emotional, right? right. It's just, of course, as a uh, owner, I want to keep those as low as possible. Right, and, how and, easy, and how you become a good negotiator at yeah. that
2: because it's very clear Absolutely. what the goal is. And-
1: but how easy is it to renegotiate somebody's salary? Right. Down. <laughs> Up. No
2: problem. They're really happy to take that.
1: You know, you do have to do that. Right. And so it goes back to setting their correct expectations, the right uh, job sets, the the right minimum metrics to deserve whatever that salary is.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of psychology, I think, like don't raise somebody's salary unless you know that you're going to be able to keep it at that higher rate. Yeah. Though.
1: Well, I believe, you know, one thing I learned from a pastor friend of mine is to much that's given much is expected. Well, if you apply that to business, hey, congratulations, I'm giving you a raise. I expect these two more things in your job.
2: I learned that daily with my four-year-old daughter, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let my five-year-old try to, tries to teach me that. That's good. Um, the, uh, the, the, the big point, though, here is that when it comes to salaries, I think that one of the big mistakes companies make is as they're more successful, they throw money at their people. Without right. setting they're, proper they're happy expectations. And they're right. like,
2: I, I want to tell you how much I love yeah, you.
1: Yeah, and they don't do a, a one time bonus, they just give a ten percent or fifteen percent raise. And the problem is is that in the good times that's hap- that happens, but uh, do you think that any employee expects if the company goes down by volume by twenty percent to get a twenty percent reduction right. in their salary? No. And so you have to control those uh, those costs on the up climb. Because almost any salaried employee that you go back to and ask to reduce it, they'll look for a different job. Right. And so it's really- But at least
2: they're going to be extremely offended and And, and they're going to lose their their trust. Yeah.
1: And and, and even the worst thing is they stay, but they're not engaged. Right. You know, there's a book called Engaged Leadership, and it talks about the idea that roughly uh, uh, one out of uh, of every five employees is an engaged uh, employee which means that they are doing the work to deserve the salary one-to-one. Uh, they talk about about one out of every uh, three employees is disengaged, which basically means that you're paying them too much for what they're actually doing. The really scary part is that uh, um, a fraction of those, it's, it's less than one out 3 it's so like one in 10 employees is actively disengaged, which means that not only are they, they not doing the job, but they're so disenchanted with you and the company, they're trying to recruit other people to their bad mood. Oh, really? Which is affecting uh, the, the people apple? around them. Yeah. So they're dragging down the the, the, the uh, profitability of the company by by affecting all the other employees around them, saying, our boss sucks. We should right. all have mutiny and like right. well, and they talk around the water cooler for two hours. Right. Um, and the same thing, there's one out of ten that are actually actively engaged that are they're worth three times what you pay them, and so you gotta pay attention to them, and those are the people that deserve the raises. But it's based on results, not emotion. Right. And so when you look at your p PLs, that's part of the, the choices you have to make as a business owner. Almost uh, um, more than fifty percent of most, especially service industries, the actual highest costs and the expense lines are people. Right. So we have to pay attention to that unemotionally, make logical decisions up front, choose wisely if you're gonna give raises for a great year. Ideally, it's a bonus based on the great year, as opposed right. to a necessarily setting a, that expectation, a doubling of salary or a twenty percent increase in salary. That stuff is the things you need to talk about.
2: Yeah, uh, that reminds me of a a colleague here at Trinity University, uh, Dr. Harry Wallace, who studies, uh, he's a psychology professor and studies happiness. He was telling me that the people that are happiest are are people that are on a positive slope. Uh And that makes me think of Usain Bolt, you know, like the the, runner. uh, Yeah, the runner who like in the first Olympics that he broke the record like dramatically like. Before he made it to the finish line, he actually raised his hands and, and lost a couple of, uh, I mean, not a couple of seconds, but a couple of milliseconds for that. But it, it seemed almost like he knew he was gonna very dramatically break the record and he spaced it out over like three or four Olympics, something like that, you know? Like, so I'm thinking that as, a, as somebody that uh, manages people, y- you're thinking, okay, this person deserves a raise, but maybe don't give the 20% raise right away, but space yep. it out. So that people feel that they are uh, on that positive slope. Absolutely.
1: And the the I think it's also important to be tra- Like what I don't want people to hear is like, uh, be a cheap leader, be a cheap owner. Uh, don't give people raises. That is not at a, all what I'm saying. Be a cautious
2: one that's looking, yeah. not, not thinking that immediately uh, this good year is going to be Absolutely, forever. So forever, right? you yeah. can't extrapolate
1: that. And you also just say, it's said a different way. I think my answer is, Pay people what they are doing or what they're worth or what the pay people based on Fairly. the results that they're giving the organization. Right. Right. So instead of giving a three percent raise to all employees, like I said, one out of ten is worth three times what you're paying them. Right. So give that guy ten percent. Right. That girl ten percent. And it also means there's certain people that either need to be fired or they don't deserve a raise. Now they deserve an explanation. Right. Right. Like we're in kind of a little bit of an entitled society these days. Mm-hmm. Right. So everyone just thinks they deserve a raise because no, but it shouldn't be a surprise to them either that they're not getting a raise. Right. You know, that goes back to performance reviews and explaining to people, Hey, listen, in order for you, I want to help you grow your income and help out your family in order to get the next raise. You need to accomplish a B and C, you need to learn uh, these two things and the results for, or whatever metrics uh, are for your position. You need to obtain 90% of the time. So that it's really clear as you keep going through the reviews, hey, you still haven't learned this. You still haven't achieved these metrics. Right. What can I do to help train you to get there? Right. And once they achieve those things and measure those things, then yeah, you need to give them a raise. Mm-hmm. But it's stop doing blanket ideas, You know, blanket raises or blanket, you know, uh, we had a bad year so no one gets raised. Ah, that's a mistake too. Right. Because there's still somebody that still carried their weight in gold and you would have had a horrible right. year Right. if that person wasn't there. And so you got to take care of those people, too, which goes back to track everything. Right. Track rates of return. goes back to track your expenses. It goes back to understand where the revenue streams really are coming from so that you can invest more in those and look at your rates of return on your marketing so you know unemotionally it's time to back off and not invest in this area anymore.
2: Right. And I, I, I imagine, I mean, this is something that I haven't had to do ever in my life, but uh, I imagine that you've had to fire people and hire people. Like, what kind of uh, triggers should be set?
1: Uh, yeah, for so that? so uh, unfortunately, I was a horrible leader early on. Um, so I was a fourth hire at Legacy, and uh, now we ha- I'm an owner, and we've got 335 employees. Last time I looked, and so uh, w- uh, that sounds really great. Unfortunately, there's probably 150 people left in the in the waves that didn't make it, right? And I always say, first, it's the leader's fault, so I blame myself. For the 150 that aren't on our team anymore, right? Uh, you mean that they left and left or you, you, were fired, left okay. or were fired, right? So, so
2: you feel when somebody's fired, it was manager's fault to some it's extent, it was the leader's
1: fault, really? Uh, yeah, so think of it this way you either hired the wrong person in the first place, you didn't train them appropriately, or you didn't hold them accountable. Either way, it's still the leader's fault. Okay. So, you hired the bad apple, you can't say, Oh, that guy sucked. <laughs> you hired that guy, leader, okay? Yes, okay. so uh, all 150 were you know, ish were, were the leader's fault, but. Now, what I will tell you is the last couple of years have been better than ever. And so going to your question, uh, the answer is setting really clear job duties, top three job duties, not top 30 job duties, Right. top three job duties Simplicity with pace, a metric, yeah. with a measurement, not a, I feel like I'm doing a good job as an employee, but I have no clue what the manager's measuring. It right. needs to be a really clear, if you're in sales, for example, how many calls a day is this person making? And they either did the calls or not. What's the conversion ratio? and they achieved that conversion ratio or they didn't. Uh, You could be putting together a widget. Uh, The average widget maker at this company is able to knock out 500 widgets a day. So you need to be able to be at 500 or above to be able to hit your next uh, next raise. If you're 400, you're underperforming. Let me train your little fingers to put the widgets together. Right. Right. So to me, it's all about setting clear expectations up front that have a measurement that you share. And that's the transparency that we need to do a better job of in business, right? Right. So, you know, snow cone makers, same thing. So this kind of, to final up this thought uh, here on uh, how to make your business more profitable, if you've not seen a TV show called The Profit, The Profit, no, yeah, it's, it's a great show. I, I'm not an owner of the show, so don't worry. I'm, right. I'm endorsing this for money. That's a great show for any small business to watch. And the reason is, is that uh, Marcus is is the main character. He's a multimillionaire who uh, the, the every episode what he's doing is he's inserting himself he's being invited to go uh, consult a small business and uh, he goes of any, in, kind. any kind people are, are begging him to come in because he's kind uh, of yeah. a little genius right uh, a simple genius and I'll explain why but he goes into these uh, companies and then he diagnoses them and he makes the suggestions of what to do to fix and if he if they go through with it then he gets uh, to be a he offers to be an owner and put money and in, in, in money influx into okay. it because uh-huh. even though the business is failing, he believes he can turn it around. And so the, the simple genius of it is he breaks it down into three areas. He talks about it's either always the people, the product, or the process right. that is the problem. Okay. So when you think of any great business, all three are in force. Think about why uh, Southwest Airlines is basically the only airline that's viable, right? I mean, huh. say that lightly, but how are the people? Turns out they're all friendly. They sing on airplanes. They right. they are helpful. Like they all love everybody. Do you uh, think
2: they choose him or they train them? Uh, th- both? A little bit of both. I think yeah. it
1: starts at the leadership, right? Right. Uh, uh, in fact, there's, uh, there's a, I forget the name of the book, but if you Google uh, about Southwest Airlines beginning, there's a famous story about a lady was on an airplane ride in Southwest and she was upset because one of the flight attendants uh, started singing the safety precautions, like you've seen this on YouTube right, or whatever, uh-huh. and she was really upset about it because he wasn't taking his job seriously and he was putting the entire uh, cabin at risk, right? Right. So he, she writes a scathing letter to the CEO of Southwest Airlines saying, "If you don't correct this immediately, you will lose me as a client." And a very famous letter sent back to her by the president, huh. the CEO, that says, right. "We will miss you." So yeah. yeah, absolutely, that culture starts at the top, but people are engaged. Uh, they want to be successful. They're helpful, all that fun stuff. So that's that's an example of the people. How about the process, right? Uh, well, it, all you've got to do is Google the average amount of time that the turnaround, uh, like meaning how long the airplane is actually on the ground before it's turned, refilled, regassed, and back up in the air. It's the shortest amount of time for Southwest Airlines compared to other airlines, uh-huh. right? So the process is tight. The the efficiency of which baggage gets onboarded and offboarded, people are onboarded, offboarded, uh, um, even down to there's not even seat numbers; it's getting lane A, B, or C, right. and load up and sit down, and let's get going in a right. friendly manner. Right, right. The, the process is tight. And, and that, it, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say that uh, this process of institutionalization of a lot of the mm-hmm. the things that the business does is probably what allows it to grow.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And that also goes back to the product, right? Like we think of uh, in terms of the product for an airplane, maybe being just because we're talking about Southwest Airlines. Think about the product being well, shoot, you obviously I just want to go from point A to point B. I would argue that's not actually the product that Southwest puts out. The last piece is you get from point A to point B on time. Huh? They actually have the highest on-time rating of airlines last time I looked at it. Right. But that's why people do it. They they spend less money doing it. They get their on-time more often. Right. That's the product. So why is Southwest viable? Because their people, their product, and their process are great. So when you equate that to your business, you're a small business owner, you're about to be a small business owner, you're part of the Trinity Entrepreneurship Program, and you're about to set off and and change the world, great. Make sure you address all three, because what's happened invariably when you watch that TV show, The Prophet, is that when he comes in, a failing business that he invests in is missing one of the three, meaning- Uh the people are quarreling, the ownership is quarreling, or they have a couple bad apples that are family, so they're not willing to fire them. Marcus says, if you fire this guy, I'll give you a million bucks and invest in your business. <laughs> Fix the people, right? right? Or the people are great and the product is the best Slurpee you've ever had in your life, but the process is horrible. And so he looks at, if we put these three machines closer together and we add a second cash register in just a set of one, you'd have fewer people that would leave the line that's too long because the, the flip time is, is too too long. Right. We could double the profitability if we just improve the process, right? right, And so-
2: And that's what goes into a franchise, right? Absolutely. When well, be really. the pickle
1: person. You know, right. why is McDonald's uh, successful? Exactly. Uh-huh. There is a person that does pickles and they do it perfectly every time in the same place every time. Right. So you have a head janitor that does janitorial work. Awesome. And you've got a cashier and, a, and you've got a, a cheese person and you've got a fry guy and you've got the hamburger flipper. And they don't do each other's jobs often. Mm-hmm. They do their job extremely well because it's part of a process that's been working internationally, and, and, it's and that's thought, why you can, out. yeah, that's why you can have the same tasting hamburger in Moscow as you can in San Antonio, uh, made by 18-year-old pimply-faced kids. That's right. It's because it's the same process. They so got the right process. Here. You know, those are really the easiest things to really fo- hyper-focus on. Uh, if if I were starting off a new business, uh, lessons I've learned over time, track everything manage your expenses, focus on your people, make sure that your product uh, is, a, is a good product and you're clear about what the product really is, not just another. And how your
2: customers yeah. uh, interact and with it.
1: right? Absolutely. Um, and make sure that your product, process is sound. Uh, but yeah, those are the easiest things you can work on to improve the profitability of your business.
2: Fantastic. Sounds like great advice.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the first Tuesday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest topics for future consideration, email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.